Hey, everybody, and thank you so much for listening to our Big Time Talker podcast. We are on iHeartRadio, Google Play, Apple iTunes, the Blog Talk Radio Network, and wherever you subscribe to your podcast. You can also ask Alexa to play the Big Time Talker with Burke Allen, and magically, I'll come out of that echo that's sitting on your desk. Thank you so much wherever you're listening today, in the car, at home. We hope you enjoy the conversation. It's brought to you by our friends at SpeakerMatch.com the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. So if you're a meeting planner for your local community organization or you're a platform speaker, get together and find one another at speakermatch.com. Today we're going to talk about leadership. And Dr. Wendy Norfleet is the CEO and founder of Norfleet Integrated Solutions. And she's something of a leadership guru. She's based in Florida. But we also talked that she's got some Detroit in her background Wendy, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Burke. Thanks for having me. The book is Leading Without the Title, A Blueprint to Growing into Leadership. And, uh, you know, the the media is littered with examples of of bad leadership. We hear about it uh, all the time, Uh, you know, whether it's a senator who flies off to Cancun for a vacation in the middle of a power (laughs) outage in Texas to you know, the, the local dog catcher that, that embezzles money from the county coffers. To you, what makes a great leader? A great leader inspires and empowers. And I think that's really important because it's really hard to lead somebody if you can't connect with their vision. And it's also hard to connect with a leader if they're steadily um, pigeonholing you in the sense that, you know, this is the little box that you're in and this is all you can do. I don't empower you to do anything else. And so it's hard to grow. It kind of stifles your growth. And so I think those two things are really important in a good leader. What, what is your background that got you interested in, in leadership to begin with? Tell me about Wendy's backstory. Sure. Um, I started um, when I, I went to college prep high school and when I, you know, was making a decision on which college, I was really torn between, um, I really loved math and, you know, I took every single math class <laughs> there was, um, and computers, but I also liked to talk. And so I kind of went with the like to talk. So I initially started college pre-law and believe it or not, I think the second year in college, I got hired as a certified paralegal for a group of attorneys. And I loved it, but we also got a computer system. And I was like the only person I just took to the computer system, learned it inside and out. And so um, they actually created a a IT department, which I ran. And, you know, several promotions later, um, switched companies a couple of times and eventually worked my way up, stopped going to college. So I always tell people it took me 11 years to finish my first degree. (laughs) Um, The 11-year plan. (laughs) 11-year plan. And so I got promoted, promoted, promoted until I couldn't get promoted anymore. And so I needed a degree. So that's what made me go back to school. And then I'm glad I did because I worked my way up to director of IT at another global organization. And anyone who's worked in IT know that it's pretty burned out. But one of the things that I did and, you know, was really successful at was developing my my employees. And I had people that no matter when I left companies, they left them too to follow me. And so I said, I must be doing something right. Right. Sure. Right. Um, and so when I got ready, I would get burned out eventually in IT because, you know, it's great to launch new projects, but with IT, you have to be on call a lot. 
because you you know we always know that those projects don't always go as planned and so i've been doing some adjunct um in for some of the universities and one of them in michigan wanted have been after me to move over full time and so i was ready for a different quality of life and so I moved from adjunct to assistant professor and then worked my way up to department chair and worked my way up to associate dean, dean, and um, interim campus president. And so I think I've had really two great successful careers and went from, you know, entry level positions to, um, you know, like the C-suite or the senior executive level. And so I have a lot of experience and I've seen a lot of good leadership. And I have seen a lot of bad leadership, but thankfully we can take um, we can take lessons from both. Sure. So there's some things I will never do. And, you know, I got that from the bad leaders. And there's some things that I really try to emulate. And I have gotten that from the good leaders. And so that really got me into leadership because I needed to develop my teams, especially when I moved here in Florida. I took over um, all the technology related programs in the labs for five campuses. And so I really needed to help develop staff and to bring in new staff. And so it was really important that I make sure that I was leading well. Dr. Wendy Norfleet is our guest today, and, and leadership is is her thing. And she does, in fact, have those initials after her name. She is a Ph.D. and a leadership uh, guru, if you will. She's actually written the book on it. It's Leading Without the Title, A Blueprint to Growing into Leadership. And she joins us today on the Big Time Talker podcast. Now, I want to rewind on one thing, and I don't want to call you out on it, Wendy, but did, okay. did you say that that when you joined that law firm that you were like the first one or the only one that understood computers? Are, are you dating yourself just a little I bit? I probably am dating myself a little bit. But, um, you know, that was I must admit that that was when a lot of the computers um, were still terminals. Right. And they went back to mainframes, so I will date myself a little bit. Um, and so we were getting computers where they were individually, you know, connect. You can store stuff on the computer itself. Um, and keep in mind, though, that my first job with these attorneys was with the um, IRS Regional Tax Court. And so, of course, you really don't want your personal tax returns on somebody else's personal computer. That's right. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> That's right. No way. No way. No how. Um, as somebody who grew up in, in Detroit, I have to ask you about one of my leadership idols. And uh, I, I work a lot in the music business, and I've had the incredible uh, honor and privilege to work with members of the Supremes and the Temptations and the Four Tops. Barry Gordy, who founded Motown Records very famously in, in the early 60s in Detroit, is had an incredible leadership model and I wonder, you know, I look up, up to the way he developed that business and, and he led it from nothing to arguably one of the most influential music enterprises in history. Do you have leadership uh, models that, that you look up to, people who did it really, really well? I do. I actually, um, you know, when I was growing up, it was the, we had the, um, the group, you know, the Pistons were really hot then. Yes. And so we had a couple like Joe Dumar and a couple other ones that were really, not only were they great basketball players, Isaiah Thomas, but they were also great leaders. They really commanded the respect on and off court 
of everyone on their team. And Joe Dumar, actually, when he retired from playing, he actually became and started doing a lot with leadership. And I can remember sitting in on a couple of his sessions and just talking about, you know, how you develop people and just thought that was just awesome. And, you know, because I, when I first went, I said, okay, what is he going to be able to tell me about leadership, right? Um, and so, but really taking the time to come in and explain that leadership touches everything. It doesn't matter what you are doing. Um, there are different tiers and there's leaders, um, whether you have the title or not. And that's really what I want to stress in the book. We can have leadership capabilities regardless of our title. And a lot of times when people are promoted, it's promoted on what they, their actions, not necessarily because you have the right title to go to the next title. We see something in you. And so I think that's really important. You know, I think you make a great point. It's not necessarily being the guy or the lady in the corner office. It's it's something that, that's within you that helps you get ahead in life. And, and we can't all be... Um, the chief. We we also need lots and lots of, of worker bees to make it all happen. So leading without the title to you means what exactly? Well, I'm going to tell you, I, I just spoke recently at a um, large nonprofit. They had me come in and do some board development. And I also serve because on different boards, and I mean serve. I'm like, just equal with everyone else. And so I'm a worker bee. And I think that's really good to make sure that you don't get so up there that you think you're any better than anyone else. Agreed. But I also think that um, leading, when we're talking about that, that we are there. And I think, okay, let me say it a different way. I like servant leadership and I grew up in the church. Okay. And so really when you exhibit leadership, you're serving. So even, so my thing is I'm always asking my staff, what can I do for you? How can I help you get where you want to go? And in turn, that always comes back and benefits me. Does that make sense? So I'm always looking out, how can I empower you? How can I help you get to your goals? And I always tell people, if you're thinking and putting others first, I guarantee if you're doing it for the right reason, it does come back to you. It makes perfect sense to me. I also, you know, grew up in the church and and have very uh, vivid memories of of you know my pastor dropping people off at the airport and and uh, you know uh, the deacons coming to shovel snow for the the seniors and and that always stuck with me. Um, I wonder to to put the the shoe on the other foot. You know, we we talked a little bit about Senator Cruz down there in Texas, who somehow this guy who you know ran for president of the United States was convinced it was a good idea to to leave Texas in the middle of a devastating power outage and then when called out on it, uh, sort of threw his kids under the bus and said, oh, I was just trying to be a good dad. Yes, I heard that. <laughs> I was just, I just laugh. I mean, it's almost like somebody who, you know, you work for a nonprofit and you decide to spend half the funds on something that has nothing to do with your mission and say, well, this company over here really needed it, so I wanted to invest in them. I mean, come on now. You're a grown person and with reasonable sense, I hope. So what made that a good decision? Yeah, and you have to wonder. And by the way, Senator Cruz, it's not a political thing. He was called out, uh, you know, strongly on both sides of the aisle for that bad decision. Uh, You know, it's no wonder that in America we've lost faith in our leaders when we see that sort of thing. I wonder if you've got any insight, though, Wendy, because you've been at this for a minute on how people 
are able to sort of keep continuing to graduate upwards and upwards into leadership positions and still make incredible errors like that. How does that happen? How do we wind up with leaders uh, that do that kind of stuff? Well, I, I, I sometimes I really think I go back to that thing that, you know, you're promoted to the level of your incompetence. Um, maybe that's his level. <laughs> um, you fail so upwards. That there. <laughs> <laughs> you fail but upwards. I do think that sometimes that, um, and, and, I, and I'm going to use IT for an example. I know in IT, a lot of times you're promoted on your technical skills, not necessarily on your soft or common sense skills. Does that make sense? Sure. It's like, um, and so therefore, where, you know, groups or organizations like me come in is that, you know what, my first client was they had promoted people to, to leaders and they were bombing. They had their staff against them. No one wanted to work with them because they didn't get to, they didn't know what to do. So they came in there with all these, ide- you know, grand, grandiose ideals and they were started making changes and saying, you know what, this is what I think we should be doing. And I have to caution people about that all the time because, you know, if you go in a company and everyone else has been there for a while and you're the new kid on the block, I don't care what position you're in. If you start making changes without learning the lay of the land, I guarantee that unless, you know, this is the company don't care about their employees, they're going to get rid of you before they get rid of the employees. Yeah, I, uh, I worked in the corporate world for CBS Broadcasting and, and some other large broadcasters for many years. And invariably when there was change in the sales department amongst their account executives, they would tend to to promote the highest billing salesperson to become the general sales manager. Well, that immediately takes that person away from what they're really good at in selling and puts them behind a desk, you know, reviewing reports and trying to motivate other salespeople to get out there. It's not always the best fit to promote the person who's really the best in that division at something into a leadership uh, position. Those are two totally separate skill sets, right? Right. And especially with no, with no assistance, you know, you're leaving them to sink or swim by themselves. And so, um, you know, it's really important that we set up our leadership for success. And so, you know, if that means coaching, if that means training, if that means kind of giving them some guidelines on what, you know, they should be doing, um, and so it's, it's just a wide range of things that can happen and will help leadership be better. Dr. Wendy Norfleet is our guest today. We're talking leadership. She's written the book on it. You can find her online. Uh, uh, the company that you run now, Norfleet, uh, Norfleet Integrated Solutions, does what exactly? Well, we do a couple of different things. We, um, When our clients come to us, we, first of all, we want to, you know, we do a complimentary consultation. So we want to sit down and kind of understand what you need. And we do, we identify challenges by doing an audit. We take that audit and, you know, as a result of that audit, you will get a couple of different things that can be done, you know, different paths based on what you, what we find. And so we execute solutions. And sometimes I want to make it really clear that sometimes my company can't execute all the solutions. Maybe, you know, one part of it is really good for a fit for us, but we are partnered with so many different companies. So we have like a wraparound service. We can offer it, but you can take the audit and go to another company and say, you know what, I've already had an audit. This is what I need. Can you do it? If you want to do, you know, pricing or whatever. And so I think that's just a great service by itself. And then we really have a couple of long-term customers where we work with them to continually overcome challenges. 
And so we like to say that, you know, we can go, you know, we can do just a little bit for you or we can do a whole lot for you. And it's up to you. There's no hard sales or anything like that. You know, we talk with you, we tell you what we can do and we tell you what we can't do. And so we want to make sure this is a good fit because working with somebody as far as leadership or any type of professional development, business consulting, anything like that, it's a personal thing. You have to have faith in the person you're going to be working with. You know, it's been an incredibly, incredibly tough year for so many people on so many levels. The phone call I had just before I began recording this podcast was with a gentleman who was telling me about how uh, COVID came into his workplace, ripped through the workplace. Everyone, with the exception of two people there, uh, got incredibly sick. Uh, one of the employees took it home, uh, and their two-month-old two baby uh, got COVID. Fortunately, was okay. Another employee took it home. His, his elderly mother passed from it. So you have the, the human toll of COVID. You also have uh, the financial and business toll of COVID, and uh, and, and, you know, the, the kids being out of school toll of COVID. I mean, it, it just touches everyone. So there could be folks listening to the podcast right now who are thinking, you know, this is all well and good. Leadership is all well and good, but we're just trying to survive out here. We're just trying to come out the other end on this thing. What What say you to that? Well, I say that, you know what, first of all, this is not a time to be too proud. Um, I... At least, you know, I don't know what every other state, but here in Jacksonville, we have different churches who have banded together. We have restaurants because they're a lower capacity. They have stuff in their freezer, so they're donating. And so we have so many places where you can go and they feed families. They give you food for a week at a time. Some of them are that you have to go twice a week. But regardless, if you you know, if it can fill up you and your family of four or family of six for um and, and take care of all your immediate needs. And what I mean by that is, you know, toiletries and things like that. So it's not just, you know, food. It's trying to make sure you have, you know, detergent to wash your clothes and things like that. And then there's also agencies that will help you as far as your utilities, because our state, they have some things in place for rent help. But, you know, rent is great, but it's not great if you're sitting there in the dark. So we want to make sure that we also, you know, there's other um, organizations with utilities. And this is happening in every state. But I know that I know someone personally who needed some assistance. And, you know, I had did what I could, but also said, you know what, there is a place right there that is, you know, sponsored by the church. And they are giving away not only clothes, toiletries, they're giving away clothes. And true enough, they are gently used, but they are all clean. And, you know, press where you can take them and wear them. And so I don't want anyone to know. And I said, so you're going to sit here and possibly be sick and not be able to feed your family because you don't want anyone to know you need help. Got to step up and and uh, and humble yourself when when times are tough uh, for right. certain. When when you look at um, political leaders mm-hmm. of all stripes. You know, I can't imagine, no matter what your politics are, choosing to be a political leader in today's climate because you are going to get ripped apart from one side or the other. Uh, And even if you try to be that person down the middle, 
then you're you're accused by both sides. <laughs> you so you can't correct that you 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 wishy washy. You don't know what you're doing, right? Yeah, <laughs> so you, side. You, you can't win in either case. Uh, so does that diminish the pool of really great leaders? who would be willing to step up and serve on a local, a state, or or a national level? I think it could. Um, I also think that when we talk about really great leaders, they're coming from the right place, and they understand that, yeah, it's going to be hard, you know, but it's worth it. I think I can make a difference. And I'm just going to use one of our councilmen. He actually came. I, had, um, I sit on a couple of different committees locally, and he came to one of our meetings, and I wanted, you know, because we were having the meeting in his district, I wanted him to come so he can share with us some of the things that were going on. But, you know, he was off to a city council meeting. He said, yeah, he said, you know what, we have a big, um, something big is going on here. And I am the sole vote that said no. And he shared with us why he said no. And he got I'm sure he got all kind of email about why, you know, this is good for the city. Why did you say no? Right. But he really made a conscious choice and it was a good choice because I don't think people were reading the five fine print that we would have been paying taxes for a very long time for something, even after it had been paid for because the clause wasn't right. And he took the time to really read it. So yeah, he made an unpopular decision, um, but he, he did it in the best interest of the city. And he stands strong on that. And I think that's really important. So when you're doing it for the right reason, when you're making sure that, you know, everything is for the betterment of the citizens you serve, then I think that they're going to step up and they know it's going to be hard. So I don't think that necessarily diminish the pool. I think that it's going to diminish people that were on the fence or, you know, I wanted to do it because it was easy. Let's bring it in closer to home. Uh, leadership as as a parent or a spouse at home. Uh, oh, I can tell you about two kids. I have two daughters. Yeah, Good. six yeah. and twelve. Oh, so it's and a so quiet last home. Year, a quiet they were home. Five and eleven. So let me just tell you, when the pandemic hit, I all of a sudden had to. I my five year old had a tablet, but she did not have a laptop. And my 11-year-old had both. And so she was kind of fine because she's a little quieter. and She likes, she likes doing her work. My five-year-old, on the other hand, I, have to, I had to put a second desk in my home office so she can sit right there. And then I found that wasn't enough because if I would go and turn around and do my work, she felt that she didn't have to do her work. And so, therefore, she had closed the computer down and snuck out of my home office. <laughs> so you're talking about a disruption no and having, so yeah, it was, um, I, 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 you know, I can talk to talk. I went through it and it was really difficult and it was difficult on a couple of levels. It was difficult to keep them interested because they're used to being with their friends, but also making sure they had um, physical PE. And so we got all, you see, we, I created all kinds of obstacle courses in my backyard. And luckily we have a big backyard, um, you made sure everybody's bike, you know, had air pressure and everything. We started bike riding <laughs> together, but trying to make sure they had some PE time each day was interesting. And so believe me, your kids emulate what you do. <laughs> and so, you know, I can't just send them out there. I have to do it with them. 
And so it, it, it does. Leadership trickles down. And so they people emulate what they see. And same thing in the workplace. I love that story. That's great stuff. You're doing homebound PE with uh, <laughs> Dr. Wendy Norfleet. She wrote the book on leadership called Leading Without the Title, A Blueprint to Growing into Leadership. Um, Wendy, I, I want to ask you about a sensitive subject. You are okay. both You are both a female and you're also African-American. As mm-hmm. you came up in the business world, uh, to me, looking at this as, as a white male, it would seem like you're fighting with one hand tied behind your back immediately. Were you judged at any point differently or given a higher bar to, to cross because you're both black and a female? Oh, yes. Especially um, being in IT. Oh, I, when I went back to school to finish my um, degree and changed it from pre-law to computer science, I had only men in my class. And that was already difficult because, you know, I would say something and I basically get ignored. The, you know, guy in the next row can say almost the same thing and the teacher would, pay, would answer him. And so it was truly that I learned in spite of the instructor. Um, my master's program was a lot better. I will give them that. That was a lot better, more interactive. People were more enlightened. Um, I did have one female um, instructor, so that was very nice. And by then, it was more people, you know, computer science was was the thing, was a hot thing. And so you were seeing a few more women. So I would have maybe one um, other female in my class occasionally. But even when I got into the workplace, you know, and and I was not, that was the only African-American. I was the only woman. And it pretty much, I had to prove myself. And every job that I had, I had to go in and prove myself. And even when I went into higher education, especially when I became over the labs, I had to prove myself. (laughs) And so it's always that thing. And once I prove myself, I'm okay. But it's almost like, "Mm, I don't know if you really know anything about IT. And how do you get past that? How do you prove yourself, especially coming from behind like that? Well, when I was director of IT, one of my departments was help desk. And so we, I would, we had both a help desk and, you know, like a, uh, with the, a hub. And so people will call in from different companies we supported, but we also sent technicians there. And I can remember that um, when I first started, we were going to um, Mission Viejo, uh, California. We were working on a place there, me and a team. And I said, okay, you know, they weren't really listening to me. So imagine getting hired and a week later, you're traveling with these people you don't really know. Right. But you're supposed to be over them. Right. And so I said, okay. And you can tell they didn't think I really knew what I was doing. I said, okay, time us. And I told one of the guys, I said, who's the best person here as far as putting, you know, computers together. And one of the guys said, I said, okay, let's see who can do it the fastest. And so I really keep up my skills about taking a computer apart and putting it together. (laughs) And so once I did that, they were like, Nine day. And other times I've had to, and I don't do this anymore, but I had to actually get into someone's computer and I left it on with a note because I'd asked for some information that I was supposed to be giving. And it was a company computer, first of all. And they said that it would take two or three days. And I didn't understand why to look up a simple thing I asked you to do on a computer would take two or three days. So I actually um, got the IT to come over there, open a computer and got the information I needed, left it on and said, um, 
thank you. I got everything I need. And it was funny because when I did it, he was like, I can't believe she got the information that I wanted. So by the time he came into the lab, I had already set it up the way I wanted. And I don't know why he thought that I needed him to do it, but it was just funny. But believe it or not, um, I got so much support after I did that. And so just little things like that, but I shouldn't have to, to go that extra mile to prove myself every time. And it's got to be discouraging, I, I would think, um, uh, to be in that position over and over again. W- what advice would you give to uh, a young woman who is about to enter the workforce and maybe specifically a young woman of color? What would you tell them? Well, and actually, it's funny you say that because I actually we have a girls in IT group from one of the inner city schools here, high schools here. And we created that group because out of 100 and something um, people that are in this um, IT academy, high school IT academy, there's only 19 girls. And unfortunately, because when you spread them out over the class, they're not in the same classes all the time. So a lot of times they're in classes still with mostly men or boys. And so we meet with them. Um, We were meeting with them monthly pre-pandemic, but um, now we're trying to set some stuff up virtually. But we have to tell them that there are, um, we want them to know there's other women out there for them. And so we encourage networking. And I think that if I had knew more women in IT, now I know a lot of women in IT, but at the time I didn't know a lot. And so you always think that you're the only person it's happening to or, you know, maybe I should just get out of it because it's happening to me and not realizing that it's really widespread, but because we're not talking to each other or sharing it, we don't know. And so we are helping them to create their network and making them know that, okay, yes, you're going to, it's not going to be smooth sailing. It shouldn't be like this, but if it is, you're up for the challenge. You have resources, you have us, and we are there for you. Great message, Dr. Wendy Norfleet from NorfleetSolutions.com. And uh, the book, if you'd like to pick it up at Amazon.com, wherever books are sold, it's leading without the title, A Blueprint to Growing into Leadership. She's a Detroit native living now in Jacksonville, Florida. Thank you for spending time with us, and thanks for the tips on leadership. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the conversation as well. Wendy Norfleet, our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast, courtesy of SpeakerMatch.com. Wherever you go, whatever you do, go out there and make it a great day. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody.